Hello, welcome to the Arseholics podcast on Saturday night, quarter past 10 p.m. in the UK. Big win against Aston Villa today. I'm here reflecting on it with Mize and Aaronin. Hello, boys. Hi, mate. Evening. How's it going? All good. Doing well. Happy, happy, uh, happy day today. Nice, nice start to the well, start to the weekend. Good to uh, obviously win and see what happens tomorrow with the um, the other the other lot playing West Ham. But yeah, very, very happy with the result today. It's a big result. Before we go on, something I always forget to do. Please, guys, please like, share, subscribe. I need to maybe just write a post-it note on the screen to remind myself to say that going forward. It's a standard thing, isn't it, mate? Yeah, exactly. But please, please do, because, you know, we take it personally if you don't. <laughs> um, also, obviously, not to forget, uh, well, because it's Saturday night as well. I think everyone's drinking, apart from Aaron. And, so actually, a bit of context also. Um, this is a COVID-stricken team, yeah? So, like, we, we didn't record after the Liverpool game. Uh, apologies for that. Part of that reason is because... Mize was the only one who actually ended up being able to go to the game. Um, COVID just decimated the rest of us. So I had COVID. Aaron's got COVID. Um, Nero, okay, yeah, you know, we haven't seen Nero on the pod for a while. But he's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's got he's got COVID. He's, he's actually had COVID for the last. Six months. Yeah, 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 exactly. So so we were, everyone's had COVID. Um, you know, I've just I've just tested negative for the first time in about ten days, but Aaron still got it. But anyway, that was the reason why we didn't. Not all of us went to the game, but Mize did and obviously has some reflections he can share with us all. But um, but it's Saturday night as well. So, um, you know, m- me being clear from COVID, I'm in the mood for celebrating. So I've got whiskey again. Not that I need a excuse to have a drink. <laughs> Mize has got his whiskey out as well because you know, it's Saturday night. And Mize likes exactly. It's Saturday night. We never record on a Saturday, so why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Aaron in his... Uh, it's on his J2A. Vitamin <laughs> yeah. C. Good boy. Yeah. Good boy. That's, what, <laughs> that's, what, that's what being married to a doctor does to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuts off. Yeah. Everything healthy is the only thing I can drink now. Exactly. The orange juice and um, coconut water has been my, my two drinks of choice over the last week. That's good. That's, that's very like coconut water. I mean, it's a, once I go, I think that was, yeah, that was your recommendation, right? Think, yeah, yeah. It still winds me up about how much it costs in the UK. Like, given you know, whenever is it, was it expe- more expensive here than it is? Well, because it's in Sri Lanka, right? Oh, driving, okay, right, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I mean, do you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it's it's you go on the road and it's well, like, what one <laughs> one pen. Just, what, we just take off the tree. Well, we take off, take off the tree. But let's just say, just to say, you know, to give the people in employment, you know, because the people who are actually selling it, even the guys who sell it on the on the road, it's like it's one p, like one penny, one English penny's yeah. worth of you know rupees is how much you have to pay for a coconut to drink right out of the coconut, and you pay like two pound fifty or whatever it is for a, a liter of coconut water here. It's mental. But anyway, um, enough about that. Hey, anyway, whiskey. Whiskey costs what it costs, but it obviously does a does a job, does a different kind of job. But we are celebrating as well, not just um, you know us gradually getting through COVID. We're celebrating uh, a really important win today. Um, you know, the only Premier League game of, of the day uh, was today, and that was us and and uh, us and Villa. So uh, someone made a joke about it on on Twitter again. It's like, yeah, Arsenal are the only only Premier League game today, so we're obviously going to be second on match of the day. Um, (laughs) but uh but yeah guys just tell me you know obviously again that period of the season where every result uh is a huge result uh every game's massively important but today away at villa to go and get the win uh five away wins in a row now 
Mais, how do you feel, mate? What's your, what, what's your, what's your feeling? Initial thoughts? I mean, yeah, I wasn't, um, I wasn't actually all that confident going into the game today. To be honest, I felt like it wasn't even as a result. It wasn't even off the back of what happened against Liverpool. Um, it was more. I just felt like, and still do feel like, a v- Villa, a very, very strong team. Um, they've done really well under Gerrard, albeit, albeit results have been kind of mixed. But I feel like performances-wise, the arrival of Coutinho, players like Jacob Ramsey, Ollie Watkins, they've got really dangerous players. Um, and I feel like they would kind of, they, they have been um, growing under Gerrard in the last few weeks or couple of months. So I was a little bit concerned about today. And I, I, and I, and I, and I guess when you also factor in the kind of lack of rest that we've had between the, the Liverpool game and, and, and this morning, um, and the fact that we've got a fairly small squad size and means that we can't really rotate. Rotate. I was I was quite concerned. So um, I was, to be honest, I think I, if we'd have got a draw, I mean, depends on how the game goes and you know how the how it pans out. But I think you know before the game, I probably would have taken a draw. I, I felt like it would have been a decent really? point. Yeah, I think so. I think it would have been a decent point. Because, um, like I said, I, I I felt like it would be it would, it would be a. It, I think it still was quite a tough game. I think we just we came through it um, and the overall performance was, was good where I felt like we, um, we, I don't, I don't want to say we defended really well. We did defend well, but it wasn't like we were back to the wall defending, but I feel like we were, we had a good, we had good control of the game. And I think majority of the players put in a very, very good performance, but yeah, I mean, look, just coming back to sort of my, my feelings before the game and going into it. Yeah. um, I was concerned. So to come away with three points, um, for me, it's probably one of the biggest wins of the season. Um, every win's big, every three points is big, but I, th- I feel like, and I think you saw it at the end of the game as well, like the scenes are at the end of the game, um, the players and the fans, everyone going to Leno, um, you know, Ramsdale getting onto the pitch and, you know, um, I think you really saw like what that win meant because we really, really did kind of grind out uh, a one nil um, like I say, a, a, a tough away ground to go to. So, yeah, I mean, look, basically my feelings are absolutely over the moon. Um, we're in a fantastic position in terms of, you know, 10 games to go, our league position, our points, total, the 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 sort of um, the distance that we're building between ourselves and the, the other teams around us with a game or two in hand, I think a game in hand maybe. Um, yeah, it's all looking really, really good. So, um, yeah, obviously, obviously really, really happy. Anything to add there, Aaron? No, I, I'd agree. I think this is definitely... I think this and the the first Wolves... Uh, the Wolves away game, I think, were our two biggest away like wins of the season so far. Mainly because this one, I think... you know, I don't think I'd... Like you said, Moise, I wouldn't have been happy with the draw, but you could almost understand it if we drew, given the fact that it was we had a tough midweek game and we'd lost Ramsdale and we'd lost Martinelli before kickoff. Therefore, there were, you know, there were excuses there. And then that with Villa doing, you know, being a good team, having Coutinho, Ramsey, Ramsey and a few good other players, it just it's a type of game that this time last season I felt we would have dropped points in. Mm. Um and to come away with with three points, but also with it, I don't know how comfortable you felt it was, but actually I think when you look back, it was a pretty comfortable performance, even though it was only 1-0. Um, I think that the team deserve a lot of credit there. 
especially given the fact that you know we were missing two two key players and then towards the end of the game we took a few more players off so really by the um by the end of the the game it was you know a very you know, looking a bit makeshift that team to to be honest but um no it's it's a huge huge win and I'm you know top full marks to Arteta and the team because I'm very surprised that we won but I'm you know I'm super, super happy that we did it. You know, we we talked uh, about narratives in a couple of episodes ago where we talked about it potentially being more important as to the situation of the team that you're playing against as opposed to exactly where they sit in the league. So, i.e., is it harder right now to play a relegation-battling team than it is a mid-table team? Do you think today was an example of that, Mize, in some ways? Did we benefit from the fact that we played against a team today who basically aren't playing for anything? They're, They're completely safe. They're, they're, you know, the ninth in the league, which actually, which actually surprised me. Actually, I, I didn't realize they were that high up in I the league. I didn't realize they were ninth. Yeah, in the league, they're, they're, exactly. When you think about some of these other teams, that actually we think, oh, they're going to give us a hard game. Like Leicester played recently. Obviously, what Palace coming up, whatever. Villa are <laughs> higher up than those guys, right? Um, obviously, what was quite unexpected in the lineup today? Well, there were two unexpected changes, I guess. One was Martinelli was ill. Uh, and so he wasn't in the squad at all, and Emil Smith Rowe came in. But you know, as we know, that kind of unit of that that, that kind of foursome, if you like, uh, relatively interchangeable, and 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 you know, through form or through whatever, we we, we you know we kind of expect in some ways that someone's going to play and someone isn't. But the one that was pretty unexpected was uh, Ramsdale uh, being injured. So you know, allegedly Aaron Ramsdale picked up an injury in the middle of the Liverpool game and uh, played apparently through the majority of the Liverpool game with that injury. And uh, was declared uh, unfit for this game today as a result. And Bert Leno stepped in for his first Premier League start of the season since the defeat to City 5-0 or whatever it was way back when. But when we couldn't score a goal and all we could do was concede, you know, it feels like a lifetime away. But he got his Premier League start. And um, I mean, what, did, what did you guys think? It was because a clean sheet. Arguably, he didn't really have that much to do. But what did you guys think of his performance today? Go for it. No, I'm really happy for him, man. Just because, you know, since Ramsdale's come in, Ramsdale's obviously been fantastic and a clear upgrade on Leno. Let's not let's not kid ourselves there. But there's this notion going around, or there was, that Leno was a bad goalkeeper, and he really wasn't. Like Leno would walk into. You know, I would argue probably most of the Premier League sides is their number one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, outside of like maybe the top five or six teams. Um, and, you know, the way he's conducted himself over the last year, you know, he's clearly a, a top, top goalkeeper. He's lost his place to someone superior, which is, you know, that's sport. But he, he hasn't moaned about it. He hasn't made a scene about it. He hasn't, you know, we haven't had links from agents briefing about his contract or wanting to go somewhere else even during January where you know if he really wanted to he could have pushed for a move he didn't um and he's come in the cup games and you know he hasn't really had a cup run because we you know we got knocked out of the FA Cup pretty early and you know although we did <laughs> go quite far in the league cup you know, he probably would have liked to have played more and yeah like you could and I thought he did what he did well where he needed to do well you could you could clearly see where yeah, you know, there was a gap. For example, I thought his kicking today was awful. <laughs> um, I thought there were a few times today where he just kind of kicked long into 
you know, either into touch straight away or just gave it straight to the opposition. Um, but Leonard's always been a good shot stopper, in my opinion. He's always been, you know, quite vocal, pretty good at organising the defence around him. You know, he's probably not as good as Ramsdale at, like, commanding his box. But, you know, his experience was clearly useful today. And you could see if, you know, if it was another number two who was, you know, a clear step down, I think that would have caused panic at the back. And, you know, he came in and it was, you know... Yeah, you know, credit to the defenders and credit to the the team for just making that transition look effortless. But it, it did look effortless, and you know he made a big, big save at the end there, which um, I'm super happy for him because it just seemed like, you know, when he came on, when he came at full time, for example, you know everyone went to um, congratulate him. You saw even Ramsdale came on and gave him gave him a massive hug, mm. and um, you know that's this is the dream situation when you've got. You know, a number one who's top quality, a number two who also can come in, and you don't see a huge drop off, and they're both happy to play that role. Um, you know, it's a shame the situation is unlikely to continue on to next season, but um, it's it's a good problem to have. And it's kind of script. There's a funny script to it, wasn't it? As well as his 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 game back in the team is against Aston Villa, and Aston Villa's goalkeeper is Martinez and that whole kind of, yeah, exactly yeah. that whole thing in the background um you know I, I would I would argue that Leno is the best number two in the Premier League uh in terms of kind of what he's proven as a proven goalkeeper mm. I think I tweeted something to this effect and I think a West Ham fan came in and said Ariola is a better number two and I kind of thought about it and I thought number one is Fabianski I'm not sure that I would I would go to you know what I mean like no disrespect I know Fabianski's done well at West Ham but I'm not going back there do you know what I mean so look you know but 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 kind of my you know on that basis of of, you know Leno you know Leno's an established international keeper to to some extent as much as you can when you play for Germany and you've got Neuer and Ter Stegen you know but he's He's generally in the. He's generally prior to getting dropped by Arsenal within the Germany squad, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, he's this proven goalkeeper. Arteta said before the game that it looks like Ramsdale's out for a few weeks. Let's let's assume for argument's sake that's a genuine statement and it isn't just something to get him out of international football. Um, does does it concern you uh, that that Ramsdale's going to be out for a few weeks um, and, and Leonard's going to have to step in? Yeah. Um... I think, well, look, like Aradin um, summed it up quite nicely, right? In terms of, it's it's a nice problem to have in the sense that you couldn't really ask for a much better number two uh, uh, for all the reasons Aradin gave. So it doesn't concern me in the sense that, um, like the drop-off in quality, it's, it's not massive. I guess the areas that it does concern me mainly is probably, again, what Aaron and touched on, is probably around distribution, Um is one of the things that Ramsdale's very, very good at. Um, and I think with the way that the, or the fact that the the back four and Ramsdale have played consistently together now for the last how many games, you know, pretty much since the first three or so games of the season, they've developed that trust and understanding when, you know, when we have a goal kick um, or when Ramsdale basically has the ball, um, you know, we play short a lot of the time and yeah, the defenders have the trust in each other and in Ramsdale for that to work. And I've obviously been working on that through kind of on the, on the job experience as it were, right in matches and it's improved tremendously. And I think that's probably an area that Leno lacks. We probably didn't see it as too much a day. Like Aaron has said, there were a few kind of longer passes that didn't really hit the target. I guess you could argue who is the target when you're 
like looking towards the front line for Arsenal. There's no Tommy Asu going, you know, sitting on the touchline, um, ready to receive a header. There's not, you know, Lacazette's not going to win things in the air. So maybe you can't put too much blame on Leno for that. But um, yeah, I think I think that's one area where we could it, it could become a factor in certain games. But again, like I guess if we're playing well and we're kind of dominating games and we're scoring goals, then it might not become too much of an issue, if that makes sense. Um, mm. and, and hopefully that's the case. Other than that, it isn't a massive concern. Like, yeah, like we're not going from, from say Ramsdale to Runison, um, like we were, would have, or Leno to Runison last season, you know, mm. um, it kind of feels like the Leno to Martinez type of, type of, um, situation, yeah. but we know what we're going to get from Leno. Um, so yeah, look, he's overall a pretty reliable, dependable goalkeeper. Loads of experience, like you say, international, um, and and all of that. So um, yeah, I think we should be okay. Like hopefully we should be okay. And I guess like it coincides nicely with the international break. So hopefully it just means it. Maybe it, it, you know Ramsdale might be back for the Palace game, which I think is the first one um, yeah. straight after the the break. So, yeah, yeah, and reflecting a bit more broadly, right? So because we didn't re- we didn't record after Liverpool. Um, but we, you know, we should reflect on on that to some degree. We we played Liverpool. We lost two 0 We lost against uh, a team who have recently won the Champions League, a, a team that have recently won the Premier League, a team that could go on and win the Premier League this season. I mean, at the end of the day, a team of established pros uh, who, you know, a lot of them are at the very top of their game. Uh, they beat us a scoreline which looks like it's a comfortable scoreline, winning two 0 away from home. You know, we've now gone on and 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 beaten Villa away. As a as a general point, you know, because it feels like everyone's probably moved away from the spe- specifics of the Liverpool game. But as a general point, after these two games, guys, I mean, Aaron, and have you learnt anything new about Arsenal after these two games? Um, yeah, I learned a lot after today, but almost nothing after Liverpool. In the sense that I I always said that Liverpool would be a bit of a free hit. In that, as long as we didn't get completely smashed, like five or six nil, or um, you know, if we didn't you know, have loads of injuries, something like that, I always thought you know the only way if we'd beaten Liverpool, no one would ever thought we are a better team than Liverpool now. Um, if we had drawn, yeah, we might have said okay, this team's got a bit of fight in it, but we lost to a team that are clearly better than us and a team that are you know. Already Liverpool are one of the best teams arguing in the world and they're on form having won like eight games in a row. Um, that was always going to be a very, very difficult task and, you know, fair play to them. You, they, you know, they made it look pretty comfortable in the end and you could see where our gaps were and, you know, we probably don't need to go into too much depth there, but it was clear that, as Arteta put it, we had gaps, you could say, like in the box in terms of dealing with their chances, but also... Um, dealing, giving them something to deal with from us. Um, but today I learned a lot in the sense that I was really unsure how, just how much character this squad had. Like, I know we've seen it, we've seen like this squad go on a bit of a journey so far in terms of like growing as a team. We've seen the manager grow. And, you know, I think you said you weren't confident before the game, wise. I wasn't confident. Just given the, the what was at stake because you know we just played Liverpool for example three days ago we'd lost a couple of players but also just in the context of the fact that it was three days and then it was an international break I just felt that this was in the back of my mind like if we drop points here 
we had like two weeks to just think about this, analyze this, and it would have possibly set a bit of a trend. And, you know, all the ingredients were there for us to drop points, and we didn't. Um, and, you know, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think of the overall performance today. But I thought we actually, in the first half, we played really, really well. We probably should have made it, you know, put the game out of sight because I think our performance deserved more than that. Um, but I, I thought overall, like, you you can't argue the fact that we deserve to win that game. Um, so to do that away at Villa, a team who are, what, ninth, you said, um, is a huge result. And the, the context of that is, like, something like five away wins in a row, mm. um, which is ridiculous. Like, when was the last time we've done that? The, the, um, they, they did say that today. I can't remember, but it's it's a number. You have to go back a number of years. 2015, wasn't it? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. You have to go back a number okay. of years. Yeah, so it's like that's really, really impressive. Our way form in the second half of the year has been what's really surprised me the most because not only are we we're going away, we are asserting ourselves on opposition and we're coming away with results. Um, even when, for example, we have a couple of players out, we don't have a huge amount of recovery time. So I'm learning something new about this team every week. Well, is there anything that you learn over the um, last two years? Well, the, the point I was going to make, probably not necessarily answering your question directly, but the thing that I noticed, and it's it's a little bit of a trend, and I guess you don't, because we're winning so many games at the moment, it's probably not something that maybe it's being picked up on, but it's not being highlighted too much, is that when we score a goal, we do have this habit of kind of then going into a bit of a shell and kind of sitting off teams and not necessarily going for the second. Like it happened today, um, I think there's been previous games like the Leeds game, for example, that wasn't the case, but I've, I think I've, I've seen it a few times. I think it's, it's, it has been picked up on. And that's a, that's a slight concern in the sense that the very top teams don't do that. And I know we're not there yet. And that's kind of where we um, kind of strive to get to. That's a level we strive to get to. But um, when we scored today, you know, like Aaron has said, we had a very, very good first half. Um, you know, Smithrow had a good chance. Obviously, Saka scored. There might have been a couple of other kind of opportunities in, in, in that first 30 minutes or so. Then we scored and then Villa seemed to kind of come on to us. Um, and uh, there probably are going to be games where that might cost us. Um, and the other team of maybe a little bit of a higher quality, we've obviously got some big, big games coming up against better teams um, in the run-in. And yeah, that may cost us. So... That's something that I, I wouldn't necessarily say I, I, I learned today as such, but it's something that I've definitely noticed. I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but um, definitely something I noticed from the performance today, which is not really a criticism, but it's just something that I'm hoping that um, Arteta's you know picking up on and is addressing. However, however that is, uh, you know, on the on the training pitch and when he speaks to the players. Don't know if you guys feel the same. I think I don't know. I, I used to feel like that. I don't know if I feel like that anymore. Like there was a clear point, uh, maybe towards the end of last year last calendar year where i felt like yeah we we went ahead and then we just stopped playing but i i do feel like in the last couple of games we're learning to at least yeah maybe maybe we don't create the chances but we're still controlling possession a lot better and we are making it harder for teams to play against us and at least even if we're not creating chances it's not like i don't think villa created loads no. of chances against us true and I just think we, when we're on the ball, we make it very, very hard to play against. Mm. And I just think Villa didn't really know what to do for a, a, a huge period of time. Um, and it was probably the same in the first half against Liverpool. We played 
pretty well. We controlled the ball well, but actually in that that second half, Liverpool actually had a made some tactical adjustments and figured out how to, you know, beat the way we play. And Villa just didn't have a reply to that. So I'm not I'm not super I was worried about it, Mice, but I'm not worried about I, it as much now because yeah. I think we we're just getting really good on the ball. I guess I guess the point I'm trying I guess the point I'm sort of more trying to make is when we go one nil up at that stage in a game, you know, kind of fairly early on, first half, I, I want us to get to the, you know, in the next, maybe not this season, but the, 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 one of the next kind of targets needs to be, right, you know, it's 1-0, make it 2-0, make it 3-0, kill the game kill off, do what Liverpool do, do what City do. That's what the best teams do. And then there's just no chance of, you know, a Xhaka happening or a dodgy penalty being given or a dodgy VAR decision, all the things that we've seen over the last the course of the season. So I guess, I guess, like I said, it's not really a criticism. It's just something that I've picked up on that we're something that we're not doing that the top teams do, you know, just be very, very clinical with, with, with not even clinical, but just, um, just, just, just finish the game as, as soon as we possibly can. And maybe we just don't, we, you know, we're just not there yet. You know, it's fair enough. But um, like I say, there might be the odd game or two uh, that it, might come back to bite us a little bit if, if that happens in, in the next 10 games. No, I, I think I agree with that. I think, I just, I don't think we're there yet. I think you add a striker into mm. like a proper yeah. goal scoring striker. You probably take, get a half chance when you're one up and you take it and then you kill off the game. Yeah. Um, but it, it still does seem like as good as we are playing now, it still does seem we do have to work really, really hard to create those good goal scoring chances. Yeah. Um, even today's goal, it was a shot from distance in a crowded box, which, you know, they all count the same. But um, apart from that, how many clear cut, you know, how many times did we cut them open? Um, not that many. And I do wonder if that will cost us at some point. But yeah, it seems like we're doing okay at the moment. Yeah, it seems so, like we're just happy to so one, one nil it yeah. as, many, as, much, as much as we can. I'll, I'll take it. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Probably in some ways, it's going to be a good blueprint to how a lot of the rest of the games are going to be because we are away a lot. We've got a lot of away games and mm. those aren't against teams who are particularly straightforward. We've got Palace away left. We've got Tottenham away left. We've got Chelsea away left. We've got to get used to games where, you know, we're probably not going to be cutting teams open that much at all. And it's going to be about trying to be, you know, really ruthless and, and really clinical, something which, you know, you'd argue is is something that we've still got to learn. But I think at least the positive is, we're kind of getting in this normality of games where we're having to work very hard for the whole game. Um, and it looks like, you know, because our, our more straightforward home fixtures seem to come in the last five games of the season. And we can, we can go on to that and, and, and touch a little bit more on, you know, kind of our, our running in a second. One other thing I just wanted to ask your guys' opinion of is, and, th- and this may be maybe the bit where I, you know, something that I've noticed over the last couple of games and, and think, I wonder whether this could be unstuck. We could come unstuck in some ways with regards to this is that it seems like we've got basically the same set of substitutions that generally are happening in every game. We could almost, we could almost go into every game with um, three subs on the bench at this stage, right? <laughs> because, because effectively the guys who are coming on every game are Pepe, Eddie and holding. And it's a very, it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's like a really straightforward process. It's effectively at some point, Pepe will come on to change up one of the wide men. At some point, Lacazette will be tired, so then Eddie comes on. And then when we're winning, we we release emergency holding protocols. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, right, press the button, finishing. So so it's this really like kind of 
set thing, which seems to be working. It's fine. If you're winning games 1-0 by small margin, whatever, yeah, it's actually quite sensible. You can understand why that's sort of happening. But today was a bit concerning for me because whereas against Wolves, for example, when we were at home and we brought in Pepe and, and, and Eddie and that worked really well, today it felt like they significantly dropped the level of the team when they came on. It was a really <laughs> yeah. poor performance by both those guys. Did What do you guys think of that? And does that does that give you any concerns with regards to, again, like, you know, if we are going to be able to, we're going to need to use our bench in the in the next 10 games. Did that performance, did, did that, I don't know, I don't know what, what, maybe what I want you to focus the answer on, whether it's Pepe and Eddie's performance levels themselves or just kind of the narrow choice that we have outside of them. What do you, I mean, any thoughts, Mike? Um, well, yeah, look, I mean, I think it was obvious, right? You, you pointed out Pepe was awful when he came on today. I don't, I don't think there's any other way of putting it. Um, I, I don't... Well, Eddie wasn't much better. Eddie, Eddie wasn't particularly I, I feel like Eddie... So we were talking about this, right, in the chat as the game was going on. And I guess it was at that point of the game where we were... It was very, very tense and nervy and we weren't sure what was going to happen and like, we were basically shitting ourselves. So um, it didn't help kind of watching Eddie come on and basically not really put himself about. And um, I think I said, how is it possible that Eddie's been on for five minutes um, and is 10 years younger than Lacquer and he's 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 already like not running as, <laughs> anywhere near as much as Lacquer was. And yeah, I, I didn't really understand that. Um, you know, pressing wasn't there. And um, yeah, just putting an effort basically. And it just looks like he's not really that bothered, to be honest. Um, but Pepe was just like every touch wasn't really happening. He was making really dangerous, bad passes, giving the ball away. There was that one where he had the opportunity to knock it past um, one of the Villa players on kind of like the halfway line and just go around him and, 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 and take it down the pitch and he just hit it straight to the Villa player. So they were like, and the, and the free kick right at the end, right? Which obviously could have gone the other way very easily when you've got a player like Coutinho taking it. So yeah, all of, all, all, well, those two subs, the two attacking subs, um, very worrying that that was kind of um, the performance they put in when they came on. Less so about Pepe because I feel like he's just, like, I don't know, it's just a bit, some, something wasn't right today. Um, maybe it was just, 20 minutes or however long you had that go on what you're going to say Aaron no I like I think I think I honestly think they were just bad subs in the sense that look we when you like when they came on against Fools we were chasing the game right we needed a goal and when in there you 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 get them up there for their presence in the box do something in the box and Pepe and Eddie are, you know, Pepe especially, are like the players that you want in the box. When the ball's getting into the box and nothing's happening, you bring on Pepe and then you say, just do something in the Create box. Create some chaos. That's where you want Pepe, yeah. yeah. Mm. Where you don't want Pepe is a situation where you're one new up, you're not going to get the ball in the box. Um, and what you're trying to do is basically keep the ball by passing the ball and playing loads of like low-risk passes and just basically suffocating the game. And Arteta's talked about this with the pass, right? I think he said... It might have been against Watford where he goes, um, at that point in the game, I just want the team to make 3,000 passes to each other and basically kill the game. So Arteta knows this. Why then do you bring on probably the two players who are least likely to help help you make 3,000 passes but in, the, what, in your own did, half? But yeah. does he have an option in this case? So, exactly, so for yeah. example, you well, know, did, today... Did he? I, I, does well, he? I don't know. I think he... Well, like, what, what's the alternative? But today was a... Seem, Do nothing. But today seemed Sorry? to be a situation where... Um, Sorry, all I was going to say was today seemed a situation where... Saka may work. Saka was taking a lot of kicks. Mm. So it may have been Fine. like... If this isn't a case where I'm bringing someone on because I think they're going to add a different skill set to this moment in time. This is more a case of I need to take Saka off and who is my best option. No, no, I get that. So if Saka's in, if there were if there were injuries, yeah. you've got to deal with that, right? So 
bringing Pepe on for Saka, like fine, it, it sort of makes sense. Um, I, I guess the question is, is it in that situation? Like we it then took off, uh, I think Odegaard and Lacazette, I believe. Mm. Now I know Lacazette struggles to complete ninety minutes, but did he really need to take both of those players off when we've got an international break coming up? Mm. Um, sometimes I feel like I I think the thought process there was right. I need to make subs because you know because we played on Wednesday and the players are tired, but. I think at that point you really need to do things. Maybe he just has a lot more faith in the players than, than than I do. But he, I think he should think. Well, actually, is this the right sub for this point in the game? Um, because, like like you said, Roger, it's a bit default now where he says, "Right, it's come to this point. I need to bring these players on." Mm. Um, so let me bring them on. Um, and you're right. In a, in a different game, we probably have one of Smithrow and Martinelli on the bench to bring on. So you argue that, and then you can bring on Holding. And then you maybe only need to bring on one of Pepe and Eddie and Ketia. So maybe it is this lack of options today. But I honestly thought like he should he should know better. In theory, though, right? Those two players, Inketia and and uh, Pepe, are pretty much the ideal two two pretty good options when you're kind of under the cosh a little bit and you just want to you just need an out ball essentially, and you just want someone to either pick up the ball and carry the ball down the other end of the pitch, or you want someone with a lot of pace that you could just knock it over the top and they're going to run onto it with Villa kind of, you know, trying to get a goal back and, and pushing pushing up the pitch. So I can I kind of like what you said, Aaron, and I feel like he probably sees these guys. Like I can imagine Nketi is like unreal in training. Like I reckon he just bangs <laughs> yeah. like every shot he takes. He probably smashes it into into the corners and stuff. And well, I think someone said, Ramsdale said this in a, as a YouTube interview or something that said that in, when they play small-sided games, whoever... Whoever's on Eddie and Ketty's team always wins. Mm, they, I, I'm not, I've not heard. Bat, that. Like, but like, I'm not surprised. like, so basically, but he, he's obviously very good at five sides. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken, <laughs> taken down goals on Monday. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he hasn't just figured out how to make that step up. No, I joke. But um, no, you're right. I, I agree. I think but this is one of those things that works on paper, right? I, I think, I think the same thing. Pepe on loads of space, run in. But when has he ever done that? <laughs> like, when has Eddie like ever done anything? Mm. Like at some point, you have to start thinking. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this is a nice idea on paper, but you know, you, know, you know your point about like, okay, did he really need to take them off the players that he took off, like Erdegaard with an inside? But the thing is, this is the thing, right? We just we just don't really know like the condition no, of these know. players, right? We just we literally don't know. So genuinely, Erdegaard might have been like running on fumes or on the verge of, you know, pulling something, whatever. Like you just, and same with Saka, like you got kicked all day. If that's the case, then like, and you kind of have to trust that, you know, he's not just blindly making subs because I've got subs to make. So I'm going to make them. And I've got a 70 million pound payer on the bench and Eddie, who I want to sign on for another year, whatever. Like you got to hope, you've got to have faith that he's making subs, um, for the right reasons, basically. Um, and I can imagine, like you said, like, yeah, Eddie and Pepe, I can imagine they're probably both just unreal in training um, and probably had a really good week in training. So like, okay, uh, you know, they're my options. I'm not going to bring Hutchinson on. I'm not going to bring Swanson on. Who else was like, on the bench, you know, it? it's like Tavares. Was and, on any on the bench, was on the bench, yeah. But, you know, if you talk about attacking options, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it, there's no one else, basically. No. So, no. yeah. That's interesting. No, no, it's it's, it's good. Let, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Um, but it, it is a concern, though. I was just going to say, I don't know if you guys feel this, right? It is a bit of a concern because the squad now, a couple of more injuries today, as in prior to the game. Okay, international break, so hopefully we'll get a, you know, a few players back. But equally, some players could come back 
with injuries. And you're starting yeah. to see now 10 games to go, uh, you know, um, where the squad is 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 quite thin and a lack of injury, a Gabriel, we said it before, right? A Gabriel injury, whatever, a Tierney injury, you know, it's looking a bit... And that's probably worrying. why he's playing these guys, you know, in some form most games, right? Because he's probably saying, you know... They might need to, the, they might need to, yeah, come and it, do a job. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing is, with Eddie in particular, the thing that I'm really confused about with regards to him is surely he should be thinking in his mind that he needs to put himself in the shop window in a big way. Like it's no guarantees that he gets a contract at a Premier League club. It's not a guarantee, you know? But do you, So are you then suggesting that he's not motivated? I don't know. I don't know whether it's a motivation thing. Um, I don't know whether it's a case where he is trying to we're not or, or not wanting not not necessarily wanting to but the role that Arteta's asking him to do when he comes on the pitch whether he's less focused on doing that and more focused on trying to I don't know do do things which you know he believes he's better at I don't know basically whatever it is whether it's you know whether it's a lack of effort whether it's a lack of kind of focus whether there's just something else on his mind whatever it is it, he's not He's not selling himself, <laughs> you know, in, no, in, in, in really. any way. Um, <laughs> Although I was thinking, yeah. you, know, you know, there's this, obviously, we think that, obviously, if Eddie goes to another English club, they he'll get some kind of fee based on a tribunal, right? I was just thinking, he's played every game this season, so this tribunal fee is probably going to be about 100 million quid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Appearance it's money. True. It's, it's, true. Like, it's true. There is a case of... He's pretty much played every game this season, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think when Danny Ings had his tribunal, loads of... You know, it's very interesting to see all the things that go into that. But but anyway, just moving on. Very very quickly, before we talk about top four, there were two, two other things I really wanted to touch on, actually. But one of those things probably there's no need to expand on because we'll probably have to expand on it again. I was just going to talk about how it seems like every game right now, opposition fans, opposition, sorry, players, whenever we win are complaining about our celebrations. I just, this is, yeah. this is starting to really, really, don't wind me up, but when has this ever been a what thing? Happened, what happened today? Who complained? I... Ashley Young, basically in his interview, was, you know, one of those kind of passive aggressive, like, oh, celebrating like they won the league. That just shows, you know, how like, you know, good, good, it, good oh, we did are. It, he did a Neves, did he? Yeah, and it was one of those saying, "What? What is the big deal? Like, what is the problem? Why do people have such an issue <laughs> with other team well, or us at the moment celebrating wins? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't get why this is a thing. It's never used hate, to be a thing. Just hating, but just hating. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. basically yeah. what it is, right? Yeah, it's like I think it's it's just everywhere at the moment. I saw, what was it like? When Leeds won the other day, I think against Norwich, when they scored a ninety-second minute winner or something. Yeah. And they were like, can't believe Leeds fans are, are celebrating. I was like, I've scored a 90-second minute winner. Um, and they've not they've been smashed all over the place last year. Yeah, week, well, they've so. lost like four games in a row. First under a new manager. Like, why Why can't you celebrate? Yeah, yeah. If you're not going to celebrate that, what are you going to celebrate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but very separate note. When, you know, I've always found when, when, when a new manager comes in, uh, it's obviously takes a while for everyone to win them over. As we know, we've talked about Arteta loads. We've talked about some fans being divided, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it feels like you need to get to that point in time, if you're lucky, where the fans start singing your name, mm. you know? Mm. And it feels like for the whole time, well, I can't recall, you know, the whole time in Arteta's time at Arsenal so far, even though, you know, as we discussed quite quite frequently, 
the fans and the stadium seem very united behind what's going on at Arsenal. There hasn't been Arteta chance. It hasn't been, you know, that, you know I've never heard an Arteta chant at the stadium. But today, it felt like the vast majority of songs that were being sung, well, the vast, major- the vast majority of the time that, the, that everyone was singing was this Arteta song that seems to have taken off now, right? There's, you know, we've got Mikel Arteta, Tierney at the back, Gabby and attack that one that song yeah, yeah. um and they were singing it they were going and going and going and going and singing it and it was felt great it felt awesome i i, I mean i loved hearing I, it i'd never heard it before is it only i'd never heard it until this game was it only this game or had it, had i it think been it's been sung a bit before obviously i think i guess like this is the thing with away games right you, you tend to get these sorts of charts and it's a concentrate group of fans that have been together for the whole day kind of thing, whatever on the train and, you know, yeah. pubs and whatever. So, um, and, and I guess once the chart gets going, it spreads to the other couple of thousand fans. So I think you probably hear it. We probably haven't heard. I don't think I've ever heard it at a home game in my seat. I think I've heard it. I might've heard it in the concourse or maybe in the pub okay. before the concourse is now like, you obviously the Liverpool game, you go, obviously you guys weren't there, but, um, the, yeah, the concourse before the game and at half time, the like, it's, 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 it's pretty raucous. Like, like kind of what we saw with the North London derby, um, and and I didn't hear that song, but the um, LA 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 song, um, obviously now adopted that song and got some good lyrics for it. That was um, that was going a lot, and beers were going up in the air and everything. So, oh wow. Um, so so yeah. So um, I think we I think you like like yeah. Just to kind of add to what you're saying, Raj, like we've got quite a few good songs with good lyrics, and they're quite catchy. Um, and it's not the standard kind of, you know, Arsenal, Arsenal, <laughs> you know, we hear a lot. So, um, uh, yeah, like it's, it's obviously helping with the, with the, with the atmosphere and it's helping with the, that, that connection, I guess you could say with manager players and fans. It's good. I mean, would you, would, do you guys think it is, there's been a, a, a turning point if you like, let's just say if, you know, have we got to a point now where there is almost unanimous fan support behind the manager? Yeah, I mean, football fans are fickle people, and you can you just know the minute it goes wrong again, people will turn. But just generally, I think a lot of these fans, a lot of the fans that go to the ground at least, and the fans that we generally interact with, um, you know, we've been on, we're very very invested in Mikel Arteta and this journey and this vision for you know since he came in. We won the FA Cup with the kind of old team, and then it was very much okay. Let's hit the reset button. Mm. And, you know, last season we, you know, we dipped and rightfully people were questioning, is this, you know, is he the right man for the job? I think those questions were fair. And, you know, is he going to fix the clear, you know, there were, there were benefits and you could see the, the positives, but there were a lot of negatives still, especially with the way we attacked mm-hmm. and the, you know, what is the plan here? And then we had that summer window and then people really started to believe. And I just feel like the fan base is very much like the team and the manager all gone through this journey yeah and it feels now like and i don't want to get carried away but it does it's starting to feel like that that pain and that suffering that we endured with you know the first year and a half of micardetta's reign although we did let's be honest win an fa cup during that 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 time so it was obviously like wasn't that painful mm. but um it's almost like it makes this part feel better um, because, you know, if Mikhail Teto had come at the start of this season, I'd be like, wow, this guy's world-class. Like, what has he done? But because we've put up with that year of like, oh, this is a bit rubbish, but we're going to keep the faith because we think there's something here. Yeah. 
and then we see that something develop over the course of you know the whole season really from like the win at Leicester to the win at Wolves to the win uh today at Villa um we can start to like get excited and I think that's then fueling the energy in the stands yeah and it, it just it grows right so then when we go to home games now we're we're feeling a lot more excited to go to home games yeah. and that makes the app that brings the atmosphere up even more and then that feeds onto the team on the pitch and then you saw the reaction today for example when we won all the players went to the stands it was great right so there's this there's just energy about the place at the moment which is awesome yeah i mean look just to add to that it obviously helps right that we're winning a lot of games at the moment right so um like what was it like on, on wednesday then for example when we lost it was i think i think there was just like an air of expectation like it was it was kind of expected i think like obviously yeah. i was missing you guys at halftime i was very very drunk on on, on wednesday <laughs> i was very drunk on yeah, wednesday no, idea. Um, <laughs> no to be honest mate, I, I i had to watch a lot of the game back to remember like a lot of the actual kind of um i'm glad we did do a podcast for this because i wouldn't have had much to say but let's put it like that but um but yeah, halftime, you know, there was quite a bit of optimism. I went to get my beer with um, Jonathan, who took one at one of your seats, my cousin, and uh, we went to get a beer and we were, we were like, oh my God, like we, we're not losing. And, you know, we played, played really well. <laughs> and I think I messaged you guys saying we're, we're going to win. You, you, you um, know, you're very say, you're, like, say, you're like, Liverpool have been nullified. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a combination, combination, yeah, a combination of getting a bit excited plus alcohol. But um, yeah, like it wasn't, there were, they were like, put it this way, there were no booze, there was no like jeering there was no it was and even at the final whistle you look um the the fans that did hang around to be fair a lot of fans did leave with like five or ten minutes to go we were two nil down and it was a late late kickoff and everything um the fans that did stay till the end you know they they gave the players a really really good reception um and and it and it was it it was a similar atmosphere excuse me atmosphere to what it's been like um previously you know we went one nil down um jota scored and the fans just started singing again, you know, the North Bank started singing, the clock end started singing and um, the atmosphere didn't really drop. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think everyone, like you said, Aaron, and earlier, a bit of a free hit. And I think everyone knew that and they, you know, on, you know, if you take an honest assessment, you know who the better team is. And, um, and that was it. It was almost like, okay, right. That game off is done. Go move to Villa. So, yeah. yeah. Guys, I spent some... I think, sorry, go on. Go on, Aaron. No, go on. The one thing I say, want to say is I think the one thing that's missing from this project so far is that big scalp where we go to a, a Liverpool, a Chelsea or a Man City and beat them. And it was so close when we played City at our place mm. over, over on New Year's Day. But um, that's like... I think that will take this team from and the fan base from here to like here. That's a good point, actually. I hadn't even thought of that, but that's like a really good point. Like, I guess because we go into those games expecting to not really win them, but yeah. you know, hopefully, yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought of that. It will, it will change the perspective and it will change the players' mentalities massively, right? If they can, and externally, like you know, the pundits and other fans will probably start to take notice. And I, you know, I'm not saying that we're not getting that credit externally because I think we are, but if we do go, you know, if we go to Stamford Bridge. And beat Chelsea, for example, or I don't know who else we've got left. Or Man United, United yeah, beat Man Spurs United or Spurs. Um, there, yeah, I think we'd probably say between us that we probably expect to at least give those two teams a game. Mm. But if we go to Chelsea or Liverpool next year or whatever, 
and get a win, that will really lift this project to another. It's level. irony though, isn't it? Because over the last two years where we haven't actually done as well in the league, we've we've beaten those bigger teams a number of times, yeah. either in the cup or the league. We took six points mm. off Chelsea last season. <laughs> yeah, so in the context of the race for the top four, it's, it's, yeah. it's irrelevant, right? Yeah. Because three points is three points. But for the kind of status of this team and the belief, I think it'll do it. Yeah, I agree with you. Let, let's look forward, guys, because... Yeah, one of the reasons why it was such a huge reaction today is because, you know, it does, every game has massive repercussions on the league table right now. So if we look at the league table right now, 28 games we've played, we've got 54 points. So we're four points uh, above Man United who are in fifth. We've, we've got a game in hand over them. It's really interesting as well, right? Because Chelsea are five points above us. And I mean, in order for them to retain that five point cushion, I mean, they've won five games in a row. You know, so they, they've been winning games and, we, you know, they've been on a very good run on form. We're almost a little bit unlucky in that respect that they've been on such good form because that gap itself could have been closed. But, um, you know, we, we I think sometimes it's important to contextualise the point situation, which I, and I tried to do it last week. And I'll revisit that kind of methodology where, where you know, it, 72 points has been this a point total, which it would have got you th- third or fourth in the last three years. 72 points would have got you that. So we are 18 points away from that, right? So we've got 10 games left. That's 18 points. It's about six wins away. We could we could lose four games and win six and we could get there. For, so just from context, kind of, you know, for, for, from that, obviously that's not how it works. And, you know, it just depends on how you're doing in relative relative terms to everyone else. But But just taking all that into context and taking the fact that we've gone through this kind of five-game period where... We've won four out of five, and that one that we've lost to is Liverpool. We're just about to enter a new five-game period, which in itself has its challenges, right? So we've got, I think, I'll just read out the order of the games, but we've got Crystal Palace first, then we've got Brighton at home, Southampton away, Chelsea away, and then United at home. So it's a, it's a, it is a tricky period. There are games which on paper you should probably think Arsenal should be winning. But but overall, guys, like, how do you feel right now um in in terms for this race for top four how how are we how are we placed um so i mean look at so so for me the main factor because i look at the next three games as three games that we absolutely have to win or maybe maybe not win all three, uh, maybe win two, draw one, but we need to be taking a good number of points from those three games going into the Chelsea and United games. And the main factor for me is going to be like in, in basically how healthy our squad is looking or how, how healthy our first team is looking and the injuries that we might have. Now, the next game is obviously not for a couple of weeks. So who knows like what the situation is going to be. And I think I said this before, right? Players might come back from international duty with injuries, um, and on the flip side, people like Ramsdale, and Marcelo should be back, um, and Tommy Yasu might be back as well. So that that because I, I just feel like we're so dependent on that basically first eleven, you know, the first eleven, the the, the starting eleven, and a couple of other players that come off the bench, like like we talk about the three players that come off the bench every game. If we start to see holes in that, that's where we're going to start basically facing problems because there is a big drop off in quality. Um, from from some of the first team players, we don't have like Leno's all over the pitch essentially as our as our kind of deputies in in those positions. That's that's my main concern. Um, I think if we have 
a pretty you know if we have a pretty much fully fit side for those three games then i feel like we'll get very close to nine points personally unless something kind of crazy happens in the game itself and you know just like whatever red card or penalty or some some sort of um some some sort of decision that goes against us um so so overall to answer your question i'm feeling like very very confident um the 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 run in itself in terms of the 10 games that we have compared to the other teams is obviously on paper quite tough but it's kind of what you it's, it kind of comes down to, it might come down to what you said Raj you know if we win let's just say we win the next 3 and i hate kind of doing this because it's all ifs, ifs buts and maybe's if we win the next 3 you know if we what did you say it was like 18 points to get to that 72, 72 points yeah. you know we're halfway there with yeah. seven games to go so i know and again like you say it doesn't work like that you can't look at it like that but then it kind of almost makes like chelsea away you could potentially still lose that mm-hmm. um or lose that and still go into united game in a very 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 good position mm. so yeah like like i say that's the main thing for me it's the next three games um i think i think i think like Brighton are an awful, in awful form at the moment. Like they're just free falling. I think they've like lost, I think they lost like the last five or something. Um, so, you know, I kind of, and a home game against Brighton, um, I expect us to win that. We've got, we've got plenty of rest in between each of those games as well. Um, I think it's pretty much a week in between each of those games. So, so yeah, I, I do expect us to get very close to taking maximum points from those games, assuming that we have everyone basically fit and available to play. Would you go a step further? So, so Aaron, and you know, if we, so if we win our next three games, let's just say we lose to Chelsea, but let's just say then we go and beat United, who obviously are a direct rival in this. So essentially, you know, we won four out of our last five. If we go on and win four out of our next five, is it in the bag? It was never going to be the bag. <laughs> is that just because you're being cautious? But like in reality, even, even if in, we had mathematically qualified. Yeah. For fourth place on the final day, I will still go to that game very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, um, because I've seen us do some weird things. So I don't think any of us, I think we're probably all the same thing that in the back of our minds, we're like, okay, at some point this could go very wrong mm, very quickly mm-hmm. because we're, this is completely new territory for all of us, right? None of us were predicting we would be in the race for a top four place. Like being honest, I think I said fifth would be a good finish for us. I think you guys might have even said six um none of us said fourth so it's we're above yes i don't think to answer your question i don't think unless it's mathematically done i don't think we'll ever be confident that it's in the bag because also we don't know how this team are going to react to the pressure of being in a like a, a pressure situation of go out and win this game and you get you it. say that but isn't um, haven't we been in that for the last few weeks well we haven't not really that we haven't really been in the situation where it's like go and get three points from your next six and you you qualify for the champions oh okay like so from a lit- final from a hurdle okay, okay, bit, okay, yeah. yeah or say like for example you know you've got to get six points left mm. so i think we'll get close um but i think it'll still come down to the second get- last game of the season or even the last game of the season mm, and then that's that's gonna be a tough one right when you've got a home game against everton and let's just say, for example, like if at the start of the season, someone told you that we'll go to the last game needing a win against at home against Everton to qualify for the Champions League, you would have you know, bit their arm off, right? But the players in that situation, we have no idea. Like, A, like, 
you know, what if Mick Arteta all of a sudden pulls a, a Pep Guardiola in the Champions League style <laughs> um, thing and just does something really weird like playing Granite Jack? Yeah, but mate, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, that would just be mental. Like, not that example, but obviously we don't have a Pep yeah. squad, right? We don't have a City squad. So. No, no, but he, like, what if he just overthinks it? Didn't he do something really weird in one of those games? I mean, what could he do yeah, though, mate? You're, you're talking like he, he might start in <laughs> Ketia or like... A right back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, but like... Yeah. my point is actually like as when we're in this 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 period now is actually okay like if we get this like what i'd rather do is somehow spurs and united and west ham fall away and actually it gets like the end of april just and we default. just basically get there by accident that would be like, kind of, what i'm really worried about is when the pressure's on um yeah how is this young team going to handle it and in, in fairness, right, like I think we're, we're probably doing the right thing and, and I hope Arsenal are doing the same thing where they are just looking at their fixtures and they're just kind of going like, what do we need I to hope they don't listen to our podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, yes, we do have a tough set of fixtures, but like I don't think everyone else is a walk in the park at all. And I think even the even the next set of fixtures, right, we've got Palace away, which I think is going to be really hard because it's always hard for us. We We don't tend to have a great record away from Palace. Like I can't remember. We tend to go to most of... Palace away games and I can't remember seeing us win at Palace mm. but we've got that if we win that'll be huge but if we look at the team you know if we look at our competition Man United have got Leicester Le- Le- you know Leicester you never know you never know Leicester like you know the, 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 you know, you, you really don't know with Leicester and with West Ham and, and Tottenham they're playing one another um, yeah Man United have got to go to Anfield right or they're playing yeah, Liverpool yeah, at some yeah, point yeah yeah I don't think that one's been scheduled yet I think there's, there's Man United have got a game that hasn't been scheduled yet against someone quite big. I think Liverpool's in the weekend. Oh, okay. That one's confirmed. Okay, it might be another okay. one. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. It's yeah. still very early. And yeah, there is the off chance that Chelsea could get dragged into this as well somehow. Like if we beat Chelsea, if we win all our games in hand, I think we'll finish that. Like if we win every single yeah. game. Yeah. I was gonna I want to ask I want, <laughs> I want, to, right I want to ask you guys a question though, because I think on the la one of the last episodes, the last one of the one before, we were talking about um yeah, basically top four and who who which team, basically out of United and Spurs, which is kind of the most dangerous threat to us. And I felt like United were, and you guys felt like Tottenham were. Now, given that United just beat Spurs the other day. Has that has that changed? I know, and I know Spurs. I think they won. They won since, didn't they? I think they beat someone. They won midweek. Yeah. Brighton was it? I can't remember who they played. Um, yeah, sorry, but my question was: do you, Has that has that changed? So, would you, do you still stick to that? You feel like Spurs are still the biggest threat? I personally still think Spurs are the biggest threat because I st- I, I still think that with United, I, the defense for me is still a car crash, and there's still so many random cohesion issues going on there that I genuinely don't know what Man United are going to turn up. In fairness, you could turn around and say the same thing about Tottenham. You yeah. you genuinely could, like, when you look at their results. But the Conte factor, I think, is important, you know, and 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 there's something... And I, I want to say Spurs' running out of all of ours is the most straightforward. So... I feel like it is, yeah. There's, there is that. The fact that we're going away there, I think I, I'm so intrigued. To, as to when that game gets scheduled and I feel so lucky to you know have tickets to go to that game because it could be it could be such a defining game you know it in all kind it could be arguably like the biggest most meaningful North London derby in mm. years in well, years it, yeah, it, like depending it on could it potentially be the penultimate game of the season right yeah 
they could they could schedule it before the last game of the season, so midweek. I don't know. I, yeah, depending on how results. But I think they want to, and I think that's why they delay. Imagine right? imagine that is like a go there and win, and you qualify top. You know, you finish top four or or or, or not. Man, like, right? yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, in an ideal world, I know this probably is less exciting for you guys who are going, but it could be uh, a dead rubber too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is actually like we might. I'm hoping actually, if it's like the penultimate game of the season, we might have already qualified, yeah. which would be lovely. I, I I think that's very very unlikely to happen because I'm almost cert- we will almost certainly drop probably quite a few points between now and the end of that game. Yeah. But you know, the, the, I think the. The thing is, I'm not confident both Man United or Spurs will put runs together either. Um, so, if you, they're probably looking at us and saying we're out of the, you know, out of the three, and we're not, we're completely forgetting West Ham. West Ham could still do this. Um, they, we could also, anyone could put a run together, but we are probably the most capable of doing that because we have been doing that. Um, you're right. I don't think Man United are capable of putting a good run together because they just haven't been able to do so all season. Spurs are the ones I do think can put a run together, especially because they've got easier fixtures. And Kane's firing now. Uh, Kulisevsky's playing pretty well. So is Son. Um, and their defence has tightened up again. Mm. So, yeah, I I still think Spurs. But, you know, if they lose to West Ham tomorrow, then, yeah, you'd probably say that actually Man United are probably the, the biggest threat again. Will be interesting. Um well, guys, look, I think, unless anyone's got any closing remarks, I think we'll leave it there. We've got international break, so it's going to be a little bit of a while before we record. Um, but and, and, you know, fingers crossed no one bloody gets injured in the next two weeks. But it's a fantastic way to enter a, an international break, right, after a win. It's 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 so different when you, when you win um, versus losing going into a break like this. So it's great. So it's a good time to be an Arsenal fan. And, um, look, I really appreciate you guys uh, and, and your time. Um, sorry, but you know, I know I carried on talking there. Any? Do you actually have any closing remarks? No, I think it was a nice, nice ending. Ask people to subscribe again. <laughs> okay, can you subscribe? Yeah. Anyway, if you if you lasted this long on the pod, please do. You owe it to yourself. You clearly liked it, so you know, please do. Or you've just forgotten. Yeah, you just left on and fell asleep, and now you've woken up. <laughs> yeah, <they're falling> asleep. <laughs> uh, shit. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you very much. Um, enjoy the next couple of weeks, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, cheers, guys. Bye. See you later. See you, mate.